0: tradition you had every Christmas as a kid that prepared you for Christmas. I'm so glad you're with me today on the Pairful Podcast. I'm your host, Danielle Zapchank, and I'm so grateful to be a part of your week before Christmas as we prepare our hearts for celebrating the birth of Christ. Today, you're going to hear the Christmas message I shared with our home church last Sunday. Wherever you are this season, I hope this brings some encouragement to your heart today. So we begin today in the book (laughs) of Luke to prepare the way for Christmas. The Bible has two sections, the Old Testament and the New Testament, and each have a multitude of different books. There are four gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, that start the New Testament. And so we're gonna look at Luke, and the author, Luke, was a physician, He was not an eyewitness to Jesus's life, but he was a close friend of Paul who was a missionary whose life was forever changed by the good news of Jesus. And we have to imagine Luke like an investigative reporter. He was the original Woodward and Bernstein. He was incredibly detailed and he's comprehensive in how he writes to showcase the humanity and the compassion of Jesus in his writing. So we're gonna look at the prequel to Jesus's birth today and Luke is the only one out of the four gospels that wrote about Elizabeth and Zacharias. And so why did Luke feel the need to make their story a part of his gospel and how does it prepare us and the way for Christmas? Elizabeth and Zacharias were this couple who really wanted a child. They were at an age, though, that they realized that this is just never going to happen for them. It was devastating because legacy, family lineage, the big family tree was incredibly important. One day, Zacharias was chosen to do the duties of the temple in Jerusalem, which is a huge deal. This was a -a once-in-a-lifetime job where you were able to go and light the incense, So our modern brains, we think of the temple like a church setting like this, but the temple itself, it was divided into so many different spaces, areas for just the women, for those people who were sick and had leprosy, for the men. So to understand a place like this, there was this giant wall around the temple and the Western wall alone was the length of four and a half football fields. This was huge. So inside there was these large courtyards and in the center most part stood the temple, which was 10 to 16 stories tall. And every day this chosen person, Zacharias, would enter and light the incense where the sanctuary was. Now just beyond the sanctuary in the temple was this giant, very thick curtain. And then there was the Holy of Holies in that space. That is where the Spirit of God rested. And only once a year did the high priest go into that space. We learned in Women of Westridge, uh, one of our studies a while back, that they would actually tie a rope around the high priest's ankle so in case he didn't do anything correctly or as to the law of the temple, and God just struck him dead, they could pull him out. It's, it's crazy, right? So there are so many barriers and rules of how people honored God at the temple. So much separation. Yet on this day, God was preparing the way for something new with Zacharias. So he was lighting the incense and the candles and he felt like someone was standing beside him. And sure enough, there was an angel to the right of the incense. And I don't know about you, how you grew up, or like how... Um you are at home with your family. But our, our son, he likes to hide around corners very still and just wait for us to really shock us. Um, it's scary. So I can imagine Zacharias, he just like is so excited about honoring, making sure everything is just right. And then all of a sudden he's like, whoa, like what is happening? And it says he was scared. After reading about all the angels that came to Mary and Joseph and the shepherds through the birth of Christ, there's always this sense of shock and fear. And so I doubt it was just like some guy being like, hey, he just has a halo. I I don't think it was like that. I mean, who wouldn't jump a bit when there is this otherworldly creature in front of us? This was the angel Gabriel. He was like, whoa, whoa, Zacharias, calm down. Don't be afraid. And Zacharias, he wasn't a head priest or anyone special, a prophet. Because of this separation, really nobody had experience one-on-one with God. Yet, God sent a messenger to talk to Zacharias to explain that the prayers that they had so desperately prayed for about having a baby are going to come to fruition. And not only will he and Elizabeth have a baby to continue this family line, but this baby is going to be filled with the Holy Spirit. This baby will fulfill a prophecy to be God's forerunner, to prepare the way for Jesus, the coming Messiah. And that baby's name is going to be John. It sounds almost impossible. And you would think that Zacharias would be bouncing off the walls like he won both showcase showdowns and the Price is Right, be like, yes! Well, that's not what he says. He's just like, are you sure? I'm old, she's old, and this really can't be true. And just to pause here, when I read these Bible stories, I'm like, well, definitely I would be like, yes, God, of course. But... You know, the angel is giving him a literal message of what he wants. And I, I'm like, do we obey? Well, Zacharias did it, And that's why I love what God did here with the reality of his response. Because the angel, Gabriel, was none too thrilled. And he said, I was sent here to talk with you and bring you this good news. Because you didn't believe my message, you will not be able to talk not another word until you experience the fulfillment of my words. Whew, okay, and with that, Zacharias, he's now mute. And the other men outside the temple are kind of like, does he not know how to use a lighter? I'm not really sure what's happening. And eventually Zacharias comes out and he's just kind of motioning with his hands. No words are coming out of his mouth. They realized some kind of vision had happened, and so Zacharias went home to the hill country to be with his wife Elizabeth, who soon became pregnant. So just from this first passage, what can we learn from this story to prepare our way for Christmas? I appreciate Luke's writing here. He said, they were good and just people in God's sight, walking with integrity in the Lord's ways and laws. Yet, they had this sadness. Due to Elizabeth's infertility, they were childless. Elizabeth and Zacharias, they were just average people. They followed all the requirements of the temple. They were involved, they loved God, they loved each other. Yet, they had this sadness. Isn't that so helpful for those of us that have a relationship with Jesus? it's comforting that we can have God in our life, but we can still be in a place of yet. We can have the goodness of God, yet the reality of the world and our situation is very real, it's very raw, and it pulls at all of our emotions. It says that they were both childless. And I think what Luke is trying to say is that they both felt the weight of this. It wasn't just something that Elizabeth had hoped for. It spilled into Zacharias' life, and it was a mutual desire that just didn't happen. Both of them were quite old, and that is the Bible's words, not mine. But most likely, Elizabeth reached an age where she's just like, you know what? Kids are out of the picture. In 2021, a study found that forty-one percent of adults are reported an increase of worry during the holidays. And I don't that number isn't really surprise for you. I do think it should possibly even be higher. Depending on the season of our life, we can all have something that we can point to, right? Maybe it is medical situations. You're caring for a family member. You're trying to afford gifts or food for Christmas dinner. You're looking to the seat next to you, wondering where is the person that was always there? There's the anxiety of dancing around dinner table discussions with family members who feel the need to ask a barrage of questions like, Are you dating? Well, why aren't you dating? Shouldn't you be married by now? Are you having kids? Well, why aren't you having kids? I mean, how many Passover celebrations did Elizabeth and Zacharias attend and get asked, so when are you two having kids? That's my life hack for you today. Don't say those things at Christmas. You're welcome, okay? I remember as a kid desperately wanting to have this big old fashioned Griswold family Christmas when we would visit our extended family. And I hoped every year that when we arrived at my grandparents' house, that somehow it would magically change. The mood definitely did when alcohol was flowing and someone, many people, decided to air their grievances about their childhood. Blaming and yelling and crying would ensue. And then we'd find our coats, then we'd leave. And we'd do it all again on the next holiday depending on your season of life there are mixed mixed emotions right there's worry wrapped up in our yet when the holidays roll around sometimes it's underlying we don't even realize it's there sometimes it's on display we want the joy and the gratitude and the celebration but if we don't prepare our hearts the yet we may miss Christmas entirely because we're just going along with the seasonal activities. So you can prepare the way for Christmas by defining your yet. The beauty is that even in their yet, God decided to use Elizabeth and Zacharias, average people who had desires that didn't play out. They were at an age where the world had written off And they lived in this atmosphere of upheaval and social discontent brought on by Caesar Augustus. The Israelites, they were promised a future king, but he's nowhere in sight. And so God sends a heavenly messenger to share the good news of God with Zacharias. This lowly, humble person, just hoping to honor God on this one day by lighting incense was the first person in the New Testament that ever encountered an angel. It's hard to match up what we know with what we believe. And this prequel of Jesus's birth and what happened has such mystery around it. And the message is important that even in our average day-to-day life, our yet, God sees us. He sees the brokenhearted. He sees the unlovable, the curious, the hopeful, and the hopeless, just like you saw Elizabeth and Zacharias. Secondly, as we prepare the way for Christmas, we need to check our unbelief. Zacharias went into the temple that day probably excited that this was his time to finally be able to serve in this way, but he had this yet still gnawing in his heart. What caused his unbelief when Gabriel told him the news? I don't know exactly. I mean, it's quite possible he was just in shock, right? But I have a couple of reasons of why we could have unbelief like Zacharias. We think too logically, right? Our human brains can't comprehend all of God. So he's just like, I'm old, she's old. How, how is this physically gonna work? We just can't process through that. Another is that the belief, you know, It is what it is. Things are never going to change in our life and I'm just going to continue to go about it and I don't think God cares enough. Others are thinking maybe not for me. Why believe when there are just too many people in this world walking through pain, experiencing loss, and there's nothing I can do to change that? Maybe you've heard, you've like been in church for your whole life. You've heard these Bible stories. You've heard people say these things and you've heard it but you've not made this belief in your heart. Zacharias grew up hearing the prophecies. He understood the Old Testament, which is the Torah. He had all the knowledge. He did all the temple customs, but when posed with the opportunity, it's possible he could just not acknowledge it in his heart. Gabriel said, your son is the one who will fulfill this prophecy he will be the Lord's forerunner, the one who will prepare the people and make them ready for God. It's a lot to process. Whatever Zacharias felt in that moment, his belief caused his mouth to be shut for the next nine months until the baby's naming ceremony. Some of us can look at it and say, oh, there's God just putting you know, people in time out again. And I'm not sure if this is true, but maybe you've heard this, when you lose one of your senses, another becomes stronger. I realize talking is not a sense. I figured that one out. But is it possible that the reason that God made Zacharias mute for nine months took out all the other distractions in his life? It allowed him to really hear and see God in action, to fully witness what God did for him his family, and how he gets to be used by God to prepare the way for Jesus. Did he have time to sit in his unbelief and remember what the Torah said, how God was with Abraham and Sarah, with Rebecca, with Rachel, with Hannah, when they so desperately wanted children? There's a theme here. As if we start to look at the overall picture of the Bible, there is purpose and a preparation that God has been working on the whole time. Even in their yet, in their unbelief and their waiting, God used them all for an amazing purpose, to use that time to help us in their unbelief to really understand the fullness of God. So nine months passed and his wife Elizabeth had felt disgrace for so long. I mean, she just felt shame about not having kids. And now that was over and she was just overjoyed. I can only imagine the writing happening back and forth. I told my daughter that they were writing on tablets like chalkboards, and she's like, tablets like an iPad? No, okay? Um, God was doing so much in their world. Gabriel the angel was keeping busy by preparing Mary as the role of Jesus' mom. And Mary and Elizabeth were extended cousins. So how gracious of God to be like, hey, here's someone who really understands what is happening right now. This out of the world experience. Third, it's wise for us. As we prepare the way for Christmas, to have it with joy. Luke writes in verse 58, news about the Lord's special kindness to Elizabeth had spread through her extended family and the community. Everyone shared in her joy for all of these years of infertility, she had a son. So finally at the naming ceremony, everyone assumes that the baby will carry on the father's name. That's what they did back then. However, when they turn and they asked Zacharias, he wrote, his name is John. At that moment, Zacharias was able to talk again and he shouted praises to God, a sense of reverence spread through the whole community and people were certain that God's hand was on this child and they wondered what sort of process, or sort of process, sort of person, John would turn out to be when he became a man. The meaning of John's name in Greek means God is good. Even in this breach of family custom, Zacharias knew that through this whole nine months, whole nine months of not even speaking, and forevermore, God was good. His voice was restored in that moment, and the first thing he did was praise and worship the Lord. He said, may the Lord God of Israel be blessed indeed For God's intervention had begun and he has moved to rescue us, the people of God. God will rescue us from the grasp of our enemies so that we may serve him without fear all of our days. And you, my son, will be called the prophet of the Most High. You'll be the one to prepare the way for the Lord so that the Lord's people receive knowledge of their freedom through the forgiveness of their sins. And all of this will flow from the kind and compassionate mercy of our God. This child grew up to be strong in spirit and became who we know is John the Baptist. God knew everyone needs like a good hype man. We all need that in our life, right? And so John was that for Jesus. He prepared the way for Christmas and Jesus' ministry to even begin. I can't help but think about all the people that were at that naming ceremony thinking this is never, ever gonna happen for Elizabeth and Zacharias. So they witnessed the miracle of this child and Zacharias being able to speak again. These joyous words are streaming out of his mouth how God was intervening and he's gonna rescue us. We can prepare for Christmas by celebrating the joy around us. In the little moments, it doesn't have to be big. For those we love, Joy is not to be hidden. If something amazing happens, we need to share it. It's never too small. We've talked about the secret of happiness for the last couple of weeks, but joy is where it is at. Joy is something that only God, even when we feel so just uneasy, joy is still there because that's what God gives us. And he provides that in a deep way. I loved how Tara Lee Cobble put this. Zechariah said, praising God, um, she said this, not Zechariah. praising God not for the yes to his own desires, but the yes to all of humanity's redemption. How does this prequel point us to Jesus? Our joy is rooted in him, not what we want, but what he does and what Jesus is we're never gonna be able to fully comprehend that. We're living in this upside down kingdom. Jesus uses the lowly and the more seasoned adults, the marginalized. He breaks naming traditions. God was working all of these things together for his good. And he was preparing the way for Christmas and the birth of our redeemer. So now what? Are we just supposed to walk around mute for the next week? Well, unless that's what you want to do, go ahead. But I do have a few ideas, as we have a reminder that each of us, our relationship with God is multifaceted, so we have the options to take one small next step this week. The first is, how do we prepare the way for yet at Christmas? You know, a lot of us have mixed emotions in our yet, but I think it's important to define that. It's so easy to just kinda move past it and shove it down that we don't really define what it is. And in order for us to grow personally and just with others, we have to give ourselves an explanation and understand why that's happening. It's okay to be scared. It's okay to feel like you just wanna shove it back down, but you're not alone in that. God wants to hear all about it, just as he had listened to Elizabeth and Zacharias' prayers over and over with every word and such compassion. And no, it's not magically gonna go away on Christmas morning. So we need to set expectations that we need to be on God's timing and not on ours. That's really hard. How do we prepare the way for Christmas if we have unbelief? First, I think it's so important to recognize it's okay to wrestle with our faith. I mean, this is a lot of questions. We really wanna make it our own. And so I, I became a Christian when I was in sixth grade, so I've heard all of this language around church, and so I hear this thing all the time, just like, I just wanna be fed, I just wanna grow, I wanna be fed in my faith either at, at Christmas or at church. Or... I said that all the time. But I have this analogy in my head, if we go to the grocery store, if we go to a restaurant, and they bring out the food, or you take it home, Like, who does the work? Like, the restaurant person isn't going to start feeding you. I don't know, that's like super weird. Like, we have to do it for ourselves. We prepare the food in order to be fed. So we have to get in and do the work. We have to read our Bible. We have to pray. That's how we're going to be fed. Maybe it's reading through the story of Jesus' birth this week. Just trying to understand, see what God's trying to show you through that and just asking the questions of, have I made this story just in my head or is it a part of my heart? And how do we prepare the way for Christmas with joy? We prepare for Christmas to understand the meaning of this moment. What is the significance of Jesus' birth? Because if we do that, everything else falls into perspective. So if we see the joy, share it this week, celebrate others like Elizabeth and Zacharias' community did. That's so important. Maybe it's reading Zacharias' song that he sang after his mouth was open. There's a whole portion that I didn't read. Luke's writing points us to the eternal gift that God has in store for all of humanity. Whatever you decide this week, and it's just one small step, whatever you decide, how can you prepare the way for Christmas in your own heart? I don't believe that you'll regret it. The good news is that God sent his son Jesus on Christmas. And we get to hold tight to that Jesus entered in and he became one of us. There is no more separation between us. And so we can sing hallelujah, praises like Zacharias. Soon he will be coming and he has prepared the way for Christmas in our hearts. Well, there you have it. I have really enjoyed studying the life of Zacharias and Elizabeth this week. For our time of reflection, I kind of gave all those away in the message. So my one for you is, what do you need to do this week? What's one step either to check your unbelief, to uncover your yet? Or to find the joy, I'm going to put all the details in the show notes at DanielleZapchank.com. Again, I'd love to connect with you. You can find me on socials on Instagram and Facebook at Danielle Zapcheng. And just a big thank you. We have reached over 5,000 downloads on the Parable Podcast, and I'm just grateful that you choose to listen every single week. And I am just excited what God is doing in my heart and in yours about people's parable story. So, again, subscribe. Wherever you listen to podcasts, whether on Apple, Spotify, or on YouTube, or share the show with a friend. That's really how these parable stories get heard by sharing and encouraging others. Thank you to my technical producer of a husband, my Christmas elf, Eric, for editing this podcast. That's going to do it for today. I'm grateful. I'm so grateful really that you took the time to spend it with me. Remember your parable showcases a God who was preparing your story from the very beginning. Merry Christmas. And I will see you back again next week on the Parable Podcast. Yeah.